Hey guys, it's Rusty here and I just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this podcast and being part of the uh, the Impact Dynamics live show. It's uh, been uh, an awesome experience to be able to bring this every day and uh, hopefully is, uh, you're, you're finding it entertaining or enjoyable, especially during this challenging time that we're experiencing. Just a little heads up, it is a video show uh, primarily, so there are a few things that I apologise in advance because they don't work quite so well on audio, but the majority of stuff is going to be absolutely fine. Uh, just a little heads up uh, as well, Team Impact is a an initiative that we've kicked off where uh, over a two-week cycle we're, we're sort of this is the second week of that cycle uh, we have decided you know various viewers and audience of the the show have said that they're going to do an, a particular task and we've all, all got sort of particular challenges that we're working towards uh, if you want to be part of that all you need to do is tag us in on any post you do on instagram or facebook or anything like that and, and keep us uh, up to date with what you're facing what you're doing and uh, how you're going with that particular goal the idea is to try and use this time particularly downtime for many people to get as much done as we can and uh, to make the most of the opportunity we've got. Anyway, guys, thanks. Enjoy the show. Live for your Sunday night, Sunday night Q&A as always, and we've got a bunch of guests ready to uh, take your questions. So uh, g'day to everyone in the chat. The chat's been going off uh, just just in the lead up, to, so thanks to all the guys talking talking there about Rangers reopening and, and what they plan to do and when they're opening and all that sort of gear. So uh, look forward to uh, more news coming out about that. Uh, uh, but uh, g'day, uh, g'day Dave and Scott and Charles and Steve and Andrew, um, Channel Craig in there as well, a bunch of guys chatting about uh, about ranges so uh if you are watching uh throw us some questions uh, tonight we've got uh, robbie from uh, precision Pre- oh i'm gonna get all these names wrong now oh i'm sorry the precision project ben from the long gun project and uh, graham from taranaki long range shooting shooters shooting he's giving me a weird look yeah something something it's, i've covered my the, the important part is taranaki i'm sure so uh we and, and something about shooting that's the uh, that's the important stuff um letting you guys know uh, that i will be as uh, session seven of my dry fire session before tomorrow night i will be dry firing uh couple minutes after the show so if you are into um into dry firing at all and uh, want to do it um jump on instagram i'll be there live and and streaming that and uh welcome to it still waiting for someone to dry fire along with me waiting for that to happen maybe that maybe tonight's the night speaking of tomorrow night uh, tomorrow night is the team impact uh, reset recycle new cycle i don't know whatever it is that's happening tomorrow night uh andy little will be here and we will be talking about what goals we've achieved what goals you guys have achieved uh what we're going to do to uh, reset those goals for, things that we've learned, things that we found challenging, found interesting, found useless, all that sort of stuff. So uh, I look forward to uh, sharing that from, from what I've been doing and hearing your story. So uh, tomorrow, if, you, uh, if you've done anything or been working anything, working towards anything, um, flick us a email or a message or something like that, particularly with a video or a photo or anything it is that you've achieved. We'd love to be able to showcase that to show what what people have done. So anything like that, hit us up. That'd be fantastic. Uh, I need to let you guys know as well, Projectile Warehouse is on board. 5% off Projectile Warehouse is site-wide, which is using the code IDLIVE5, IDLIVE5. Uh, five, number five, not the word, and you'll be able to save 5% off site-wide. Bit of discussion on Facebook about trimming on that one. We may even get into that tonight. We'll see how we go. All right, I mentioned them before, and uh, and here they all are. 
Robbie, Graham, and Ben. Evening, <laughs> gentlemen. How are we all? Hey, guys. Good, mate. You? Oh, I'm I'm going good. I'm going good. Graham, how's things over in New Zealand? Yeah, a little bit wet, but not too bad. <laughs> so normal. Yeah, pretty normal. Yeah, good. And Ben, uh, dusty and and nothingness up in hay. No, no, mate. Anything but. Uh, oh, we've really? had uh, we had over an inch of rain in the last uh, two days. Wow. So okay. um, yeah, I'm walking around wishing I had a pair of gumboots. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't because you live in hay. Yeah, well, I threw them out 10 years ago. I never thought I'd need them again, you know. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Also, uh, uh, g'day to uh, Brad and Steve Blacker uh, as well. They joined us in the chat as well. And, uh, yeah. Hey, Ben, you've uh, you've been loading some sexy pills, I've been saying. I, I have, yes. Uh, loaded uh, some... Uh, 350 grain outer edge projectiles for the 375 Chatak, and if looks are an indicator of performance, then these are going to be absolutely astonishing. Um, yeah, so I was very fortunate to have a lot of help from um, Steve Hurt. So I uh, spoke with Steve uh, would have been yesterday. Yep. Um, for about an hour and a half, and he stepped me through um, how he uses quick loads and you know, uses the temperature settings in quick loads to look at you know, maximum and minimum pressures. And also we looked at barrel timing and sort of used quick loads to then try and figure out how to try and get the load as close to the barrel timing that we're seeking. Yep. Hopefully, theoretically, the node will, will be there or close to it. And yeah. Um, Nice. I really oversold that, but yeah, no. I mean, it, it should should shoot really great. Fantastic, mate. And just on your point, unless before, of course I suck, and then this. <laughs> um, if looks were uh, any indication. Oh, right. uh, uh, g'day to Peter and Edric who've joined us in the chat as well, uh, guys. Uh, all right, now trimming. We, I was mentioning trimming. I put a post up on before on Projectile Warehouse. Um, Graham, do you do any sort of trimming for your loads? Uh, yeah, depending on what it is, um, on my more precise stuff, definitely. Uh, I shoot a lot of 303 as well, and that has a lot of issues with head spacing, so mm -hmm. I have to trim that about every time. But yeah, definitely, I um, I'm not, I, I don't do it every time. Yep. Uh, on my more precise stuff, but if it's running out of spec, yeah, I do. What do you use to trim with? Uh, it's a reading mm -hmm. little one of those manual lathes. It's with the micrometer adjuster. I'm not sure of the model, but it's a nice little piece of kit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, very good. What, what about you, Robbie? Are you, you trimming for your brass? Uh, generally, I'll get virgin brass, yep. uh, five form and one, and then give them all a measure up. Yep. Uh, nine times out of ten, I'll kind of cut them back ten thou from spec um, and then kind of go from there. That kind of gets me through at least, you know, five to six firings, and I can kind of – uh, work out where you know how how much the cases are going to stretch or if they're going to grow or mm -hmm. you know something like that and kind of keep up with the trimming process from there. So always want to keep under semi spec standards. So good plan, good plan. And uh, yeah. and Ben, Steve's telling you not to jinx him, but what are you doing in terms of trimming? Yeah, so um, I'll just you know every couple of firings I just measure them and that sort of stuff, and I'll just take a random sample, just pick a row or yeah. You know, Random out of the box, 
and just see where they are in terms of spec. And if they're if they're a bit close to spec, then I'll put them on the um, I'll put them a little hand trimmer and I'll trim them up um, just to be on the safe side. So I'm using a oh I don't know if it's a Forster or a Wilson. Okay. Could be a Forster. Could be could little be. yeah little hand lay thing. So yep. okay, very good. Uh, actually, Robbie, did I did I miss what what you're using for your trimming, or did you not say it? I'm using a Frankfurter basketball. Sorry, mate. Grab it here. Um, if anyone, if you guys can see this oh, bad yeah. boy, yeah, um, yeah, it generally works pretty good. It's um, kind of cuts down to the to half a fair, um, which is more than suffice, I think, for what we're doing. So That'll do it. It's repeatable. It does its thing. So yeah, yeah, no, nice. it's good. Very good. Yeah. Uh, all right. Got a question here from Scott. Uh, Scott asks, what bags should I start with? I'm guessing in uh, – I know Scott's sort of thinking about getting into some PRS or at least trying it, and I'm pretty sure, but I could be wrong. Scott, please correct me, but he comes from a full ball background or an F-class, something, something in that sort of category. So an extensive array of bags is perhaps not so common to see. Uh, ben, let's kick off with you, mate. What are you running and, and what have you used and would recommend? Um, I've I've used all I wouldn't say all manner of bags, but I've used a, a quite a few different bags. Yep. Um, I've my, my two main ones. Uh, um, I've got a tactical adder, um, which is really handy for um, those barricades, which are quite sort of narrow, so pipes and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the one, if I if if someone said pick one bag for one whole match, that's that's an equipment limitation. I would choose. Um, either a mini fortune cookie or I've got my eye on one of uh, um, uh It's one. It's got like sticky stuff on the top and in the in the things like a mini mini fortune cookie. Yep. Um, you'll probably kick me for saying like that, but yeah, that's that's probably what I would choose is probably a mini fortune cookie or something that size because um, you can fit it into most places and it makes a good rebag. So I would probably start with a mini fortune cookie and use the shit out of it. Um, I mean, you, you know, Ash uses his one bag for everything. Yep. Get good at one bag. At Don't one follow bag. my example. Follow Ash. <laughs> I think is it the um, the mini game changer you're talking about? Oh, no, pint size. Pint size. Pro- probably. Yeah. If it's from Lovey's Gear, that'll be about right. Yeah. <laughs> Graham, what do you, what, what do you have bags-wise over there? Do you, do you guys use it much at all? Uh, yeah, we um, well for a long time, Kerry from Precision Shooter was bringing in the heat of the Armageddon gear. Yeah. So I got one of the um, I don't know the name, but it's about sort of that big, basic, just a rectangle bag with some straps so you can chuck it over your uh, your barrel and scope if you want. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's all I really use. I, I'm not big on a million accessories, so yep. I just run that. That's a rear bag, uh, or it can go in a barricade in a sort of basic sense. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty limited on what I use. Or sometimes a really small wallet size bag um, that my wife made me. Um, so yeah, pretty basic. Uh, some guys use game changers and stuff over here. Yep. Um, but I, I I try to keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, Robbie. What's your uh, selection consist of? Well, uh, I'm going to go with Ben's theory and fine size game changer mm-hmm. from Armageddon Gear. Um, it makes a really good rear support rest if you lay it down flat, put your gun in the rear of the buttstock in the back. Um, you can use it on uh, barricades, flat, 
as well. You can use it, you know, on the top side. Um, it's very uh, squishy. It takes up all the slack um, in any place and you just put your gun on it with a bit of weight yep. um, and everything. They're nice and solid. So my pick would be if you had to buy one bag, this bag can pretty much do it all. That's my pick. But um, I'll go with Ben's theory as well as Ash's. Um, buy one bag, uh, no one inside out. And, yeah, if you feel like you need another bag from there, I think, yeah, well, then try someone else's. Um, if you think there's something else that can fit fit the description for what you want to do, then maybe go towards that. But one bag, no one inside it out, and, yeah, go from there. It's definitely, uh, definitely not bad advice at all. I think the... Um the the idea of, of uh, using other people's bags. So generally speaking, it matches. People will lend you uh, bags. Scott has clarified his background is actually uh, handgun IPSC. Don't know where I got a full ball from, but anyway. Um, so probably no experience, no experience with with bags in IPSC, which is uh, which is fair. Um, and and yeah, 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 it matches. Like I. I Generally, because guys will ring me and say, what bag should I get? And like, have you been to a match yet? And they go, no, I want to get the right bag to go and go to the match. Go to the match. Yeah. And then you'll work out what bag you liked because uh, most definitely. people just be throwing bags at you. So. Yeah, definitely. And if, if you come to a match and you're unsure about what bags to get or in the market for a bag, it's always really good to um just go up to someone and say, you know, do you mind if I use your bag or, you know, try your bag out or something like that. Everyone's more than... Mm. More than happy to give to lend you their gear. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, especially bags are pretty, uh, pretty versatile, pretty tough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah for absolutely. Sure. And and then yeah, you, again, you you'll have guys. There'll be guys there who have gone the exact opposite of what you guys are all recommending. In fact, you guys might be some of those people. Um, where you've got yep. fourteen bags, you've tried a stack of them. And uh, you go, oh, yeah, no, this this is the one I've settled on. Um, and so you do actually, you can actually draw from a lot of experience uh, when you uh, when you do that. Anyway, all right, uh, probably enough about bags. There's plenty of plenty of bags and options and stuff like that. I noticed none of you guys mentioned any sort of uh, puff pillows or uh, anything on those lines. No, 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 no way. Okay. I've never been good at using. I've never been good at using them. No, um, okay. Some some guys are very very good at at using, but I. Can't quite get the hang of it. Luke's really, really good at using it. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and and make himself really steady. Like he's, you know, I've seen him use them, and I just don't have that knack. I don't. I'm better off just not bothering. <laughs> for those for those that don't know what a pump pillow is, yeah, um, that is a pump pillow. Um, generally, it's used to fill in negative space. So if you're in a barricade or something like that, and you have negative space in between your arm and your leg for instance, you can fill that space um, with your arm so you've got a support. So, yeah, that's another option. But uh, I think if I had one one bag to choose from, it would definitely be the time size game changer. I, uh, I think it should have been called the positive bag because it just it removes the activity. <laughs> I think it would uh, be a better name for it. All right, Paul Jones asks uh, Ben a question. Are you going to do any more work with your 3D nope. mag on the long gun project? Uh, specifically pushing with my what? So the win mag, the win mag, the one that lost you a match. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I lost me the match. The win mag had nothing to do with it. That was just a bad choice. Um, <laughs> okay, gotcha. you, know, you don't need a win mag for a five hundred meter, you know, PRS match. You don't. Um, but um, yeah, look, I, I, I may, I may do a bit more with the with the win mag. I know Paul's got one. Um, 
uh, actually Paul was on the, that uh, the first uh, course that I did uh, with yourself and Trent. Yep, um, I remember. And Paul was using his wind mag there. Yes, so, with, a, um, with an upside yeah, down I, I, butt I, pad on it. Do you remember that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He, he grabbed the, <laughs> yeah. the back of his um, hower and he turned the the rear the rear part of the stock upside down and shoved it back in, and it fit better in his shoulder. So he left it like that. Looks amazingly strange, but works really well. Anyway, a, a wise you. a wiser man than me once said, "If it looks silly, but it works, it's not silly." <laughs> so this is true. Yeah, carry on, I, carry um, I probably will do a little bit uh, more with the wind mag in, in coming episodes. I was hoping um, to uh, get up to um, the high country around Cooma and uh, and maybe use it on some fallow at some distance. But um, because of the, the Rona, um, might be a little late to be able to do that. But, you know, snow up there might have pushed them down out of the – out of the timber a bit, so you never know. Might still get a chance to get up there and and use it. So we'll see. Mm, that's all right. And anyone else punching a three? What, what sort of bigger stuff are you running over there, Graham? Uh, I've shot a three hundred wind mag for several years. Um, now, probably at the moment, seven millimeter rim mag would be my large caliber I'm using of my own anyway. Yep. Using that more long range hunting than any competition shooting. Yeah. Gotcha. Are you, um, what's been the, the big difference between the 300 wind mag and the 7mm rim mag? You noticed a, dig, a difference? Uh, the, the platforms are too different shooting wise. One was oh, a bit okay. heavy, sort of long range rifle, and then the 7mm's a lot more lightweight. So uh, mm-hmm. they both kill animals pretty well, and like that targets out a pretty long way with both of them. So yep. not a lot of, nah, no, I don't see too much difference. No, just yeah. just different. The platform has been more, uh, more of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Excellent. Now, just delving into some uh, some other questions of uh, we've got in the in the group as well. Uh, muzzle brakes. Are you guys running self tie muzzle brakes or gunsmith installed stuff? Robbie, what do you got on yours? Uh, I'm running the Area 419. I've got both the Sidewinder and the what's the other one? Hellfire. Uh, so the Hellfire is a three-port and the Sidewinder is a four-port. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really noticed much of a difference between the three-port and the four-port, so I've just stuck to the Hellfire, which is a three-port for now. So, yeah, it makes it really easy for when you want to uh, clean the gun because it's got a thread that goes on the muzzle. Yep. And when you put the muzzle brake on, it's got its own thread onto that adapter on the end of the muzzle. So yeah. if you want to clean it, your gun, you just undo that, take your brake off, but the, the thread stays on there. So the thread on your barrel, actually, you, you can't thread it, which is which is really great. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that works well. Yeah, right. Graham, what about you, mate? Muzzle brake's pretty commonplace over there. Oh, we've uh, we've lost someone. Graham, we, we've lost, we've lost Graham. Graham. <laughs> he's, he's we've out. lost Graham. <laughs> he's he's oh, back. back. He's back. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you heard the question, mate. Uh, muzzle brakes pretty common over there. Uh, yeah, very common. Yep. The suppressors also, obviously, with the law uh, differences we have. But yeah. Uh, and you asked about uh, self time or uh, yes. gun stuff installed. Uh, you get more um, ones you can set up yourself. Uh, I run ones that my friend, a local guy, makes that are just same as you described on the area 419, very similar. Um, but then 
if I've got one that needs um, to be timed um, by re removing material, I just do that myself on the label with a file and a pinch. So, yeah, but um, again, a lot of guys will run suppressors here, especially for hunting. It's generally always suppressed, unless they're mountain hunting or something. Gotcha. Is, is that, do they, the mounting hunting, is that because they can't or they, the gun's too long or what? the reason for not doing that? Just a weight, just a weight issue. So Jim, the, the terrain's open, it's yep. Alps, um, especially once you pass the Alpine level. So uh, it's just guys trying to keep their weight down because they unless you're flying in with a helicopter, but guys are walking in uh, at like big mountains, not like the ones you've got over there, like real big ones, you know. So the, um, <laughs> real ones. <laughs> and, but yeah, and then, and then because you're only maybe shooting one animal, um, it's not that big a deal. Whereas if you're bush hunting for a red stag, yeah, um, you could potentially miss one and then move around the gully. You might find another one if you got a suppressor, maybe. Got um, it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice, mate. Nice. Uh, ben, what are you doing on yours? Um, I'm running actually a combination of the two. So, okay. Um, for my three and wind mag and the the three seven five, there a um, gunsmith timed um, muzzle brake. So um, one a Terminator T3, and the other one is um, a CNC machine by my my gunsmith on the JTAC. Um, on the uh, 6.5 Creed, that's an Area 419 muzzle brake, mm -hmm. and that one I'm not real excited about, to be honest. Um, with the with the first part of the, the area four one nine that goes on, there's a, a cavity between the crown and the uh, the top of the the little sort of nut conical nut, um, if that makes sense. Yep. And one thing I've noticed, and it may just be the powder that I'm using, I'm using AR two two o nine, but I actually noticed that in that in that cavity before the gas escapes and actually gets into the ports, um, I get a lot of carbon and copper buildup on the crown um, yeah, and it's it, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah it, it, it's it's a real sometimes if you you know you've done 200 and something rounds and match like the finale trying to get that off is actually a real pain in the backside um so i'm i'm actually so sort of probably waiting for danny and tony at delta to get um some more terminated tts and i will probably swap it out for one of those because um, i had one of those in my rig precision when i was up in queensland i really liked it that was that was really really good to to get on and off okay yeah right so go on the new zealand option mate yep yeah no, credit where it's due they're they're, they're pretty good um <laughs> pretty good uh, muzzle brakes they uh they do they do beat you up a bit though because the, the angle's really aggressive like you feel it on your shoulders if you've got a shorter barrel yeah um, right and on a 24 inch there it's not too bad but yep. Um, yeah, the you know that aggressive angle helps them work. So, yeah, no, it's pretty. They, I think they're pretty good. Very good, nice. All right, uh, another question here, guys. If you do have any questions and you're watching uh, along, chuck them into the chat, and uh, we will hit them up in due course as well, uh, gentlemen. Um, we're, obviously, we're all reloaders here. Talking about electronic powder throwers. Um, what do you guys do to uh, put your powder in? Uh, Robbie, uh, let's start with you, mate. Uh, as in dispensing powder? Yeah, well, let's just let's talk about powder in general. Like, uh, how, how are you measuring it and getting it into your case? So I use the uh, FX120, 
mm-hmm. um, with an auto trickler on it. So um, if the people out there that don't know what it is, it's a big electronic scale. Uh, it's got a powder hopper on the top and it works via Bluetooth. So you just punch in 42 grains, for instance, hit go, and it will chuck a, well, will throw a big chunk of powder. So yep. they're like 40 grains or something like that. And you can adjust that more or less. And then it trickles the rest of the powder. Um, and then I use the Area 419, um, what are they called? The powder, um, what are they called? Yeah, I'll the grab little hey. scoop thing. I know I know what you're talking about. I took a shot out of one. Uh, at, at, <laughs> um, so, I think Scott, um, oh yeah, one of those funnels. Yeah, so you just pretty much just change. They're all caliber specific, the heads. Uh, so you just wind one out, wind it in, sit it on your case, pour your powder in, and yeah, that's it. Yeah, right. Nice. We, um, I think Scott McMillan won the little, um, <laughs> the little hopper thing, uh, from Area 419 at one of the matches at the, the Bucking match, actually, that Ben's wearing the shirt for, and um, and he ended up at the bar and we ended up doing shots with it. Uh, I, that's I, no surprise. I can tell you that's the best tasting shots I've ever had. So area four and nine. I reckon they should get into drinkware, but that's just you know, that's right. Graham, what about you, mate? With powder, what's your what's your normal go to? Uh, I run a an older Lyman auto dispenser, and I just throw a uh, a rough charge and then manually trickle it up on a bean scale. Yep. So I'd, I'd like to upgrade to the FX system one day, maybe, and. But yeah, at the moment, big charge on the electronic fryer, then manually trickle it to my exact uh, weight on the old faithful. Um, I think they're ring beam scales I've got. Yep. Yeah. Nice. And then, and then same. I've got the same uh, powder funnel kit. Um, the area four one nine kit. That's pretty cool actually, because I reload a heap of different calibers. So having all those um, caliber specific nozzles to wind onto it's mm-hmm. real good yep. compared to the older sort of cheap plastic ones I used to use. Yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Ben, what about yourself, mate? Round it out. Um, I am using an RCBS Charge Master Lite mm-hmm. um, because that's a hell of a lot cheaper than an A&D FX120, which <laughs> I desperately want. Oh, don't we all? Yeah. Yeah, spend, spend, all, my, spend all my money on, on projectiles for a 375 <laughs> and yeah, now I'm four. So, and still didn't hit um, anything. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> I know, I know. That's a whole other story. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I uh, I did I did uh, when I was late. I actually ran um, a set of beam scales just to just to double check all the the stuff that the charge mass light was throwing, and it was generally within one to two kernels max of wow. you know the beam scale. Yep. What the beam scale was saying is is correct weight. So um, it's certainly you know. For loading for PRX and that sort of stuff, great time saver. Um, but for the ELR stuff, yeah, yeah, I need, I do need something a little bit more accurate. Um, but for the time being, and until I can start shooting something cheaper, it's going to have to do. Yeah, oh, it works. That's the uh, that's the main thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yep. there's a question here from Paul Jones uh, about uh, hunting. About hunting, which is uh, something we do like to talk about. Uh, what type do you do? You prefer stocks or chassis? 
Who we uh, who we through? Graham, cross to you first, mate. Are you, are you, what do you normally use for your competition stuff? And is that the same in the hunting world for you? Uh, I, I'm lucky enough to be able to put together a bunch of different guns. So m- most of my hunting stuff's more traditional stocks, um, either synthetic or I, I quite like um, wood, wooden stocks on hunting rifles, albeit they're not particularly um, lightweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, over here, it's becoming super popular around carbon fiber hunting stocks now. Yep. Um, really popular, actually. So, that, yeah, you don't see, well, I don't see a lot of chassis in New Zealand hunting. A little bit, but um, I, I guess it's still a little bit frowned upon too over here because a lot of the hunting's still a little bit traditional. Um, yeah, okay. I, I do hunt with some of my precision guns. I, my first ever red deer was shot with my 6.5 Creepmore, so. Yeah, okay. just it just depends on what I'm doing, but mostly wooden, wooden or synthetic, um, traditional style stocks. Gotcha, Ben. What about you, mate? You uh, you're pretty much uh, well. You t- t- tell us tell us what you're running across the board. Um, so all my all my hunting rifles are stock rifles. Yep. Um, so um, if I'm hunting out of my buggy or you know on foot or out of the vehicle or anything like that, stocks are just a little, a little in in my experience, a little bit easier, less stuff to get hooked on, and, and that kind of thing. So, um, and they fit in the gun racks on the buggy um, really well. If I had a, a chassis gun, yep. um, I think it'd probably get hooked and hung up on everything because, yeah, you know, I'm lucky like that. So, um, yeah, just running a, a you know laminated timber stock or a synthetic stock is is what normally all my hunting rifles are. Gotcha, gotcha. Robbie, we're going to come to you in, uh, with that question in a moment. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I need to let you guys know what's, uh, what's going on a little bit. Thank you very much for joining and tuning in tonight. Uh, we will be uh, uh, hitting up a few more questions as we, uh, as we go along this evening. But uh, let you know, tomorrow night, Andy Little is back on the show for the Team Impacts wrap-up uh, from the last couple of weeks. And... Uh, we'll be uh, going over the goals that we've achieved, the goals we haven't achieved, or if, if there are any, of course, and, and then talking with uh, with people about some things they learnt and all the stuff that they did. So uh, we, that is going to be really, uh, really good. Looking forward to that. I've uh, got other guests throughout the week as well. Um, and, yeah, normal normal sort of thing, Thursday night reloading stuff. And, uh, and then... Back on, I think. Uh, oh, no, we'll we'll keep it all. We'll keep it all a secret as to who's on. Uh, but there's some some really exciting guests coming on this week uh, between Ben and I have uh, got to organise. So looking forward to that. Also, let you know our projectile warehouse again. You can jump over there at any time, even if you're you know, talking reloading something interests you, uh, and use the code ID Live Five to save five percent on there. All right, I think we have everyone back, and we're going to throw to Robbie in a moment. Uh, as soon as I set the Zoom up correctly, Robbie. Uh, chassis stocks what is your deal mate well at the moment i've only really got my prs set up going um so that's in a chassis uh and my actions all set up for switch out switch out barrels so can shoot with the 223 ai the dasher or the wsm so um yeah that's what i pretty much done um whatever i'm running at a match i'll just re-enter the field it's familiar it's it's yeah adjustable versatile and yeah yep yeah, yeah, nice, mate. Nice. Uh, Scott McMillan is in the chat uh, saying that he can buy an A&D uh, scale for 99 cents plus freight from England, uh, but he is uh, not giving us a link. 
for such a said deal, um, <laughs> which generally means it's a load of rubbish. So, uh, Scott McMillan, send us a link, and um, and uh, otherwise we won't believe you. We won't believe you, and you'll be required to shoot the next PRS match in a mankini. Uh, I think that's the way it works for, for making up just rubbish. <laughs> it's probably an A and B, not an A and B. <laughs> no, it was a, it was yeah, first it was a, a a book about it. It was just the manual. That's all. All right, excellent. Now uh, let's uh, delve into another question. Another topic that was brought up uh, elsewhere was the applied ballistics books. Now. Uh, Graham, have you read those at all? The applied ballistics books are they uh, commonplace over there? Uh, I I know some people who have them. I I don't personally have them. though. No. I wouldn't mind getting them, but yep. I imagine I'd have to import them in from overseas. Um, and I'll whether I get around to it, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. Uh, Robbie or, or Ben, do we, have you either of you spent any time delving into those two uh, those books? Ben, you go. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I've uh, I've actually read them all. Um, oh, showing off, and now. <laughs> I can read. Um, <laughs> I'm impressed. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> you're not the only one. My mum was so impressed too. Um, but uh, no, I I I read um, the applied ballistics for long range shooting. Uh, first, and it was the first time that that some maths and physics actually started making sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I only wish that all my physics lessons at school could have been based around ballistics. Otherwise, yeah, you know, then I would have you and me both. really paid attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, so read that, um, and that that may help make a lot more sense of training courses and and that kind of stuff. So it actually helped me get a lot more out of it. Um, and then the modern advancements in long range um, shooting, the latest one, really interesting, um, particularly the stuff around using mean radius as a measure of accuracy as opposed to extreme spread, which is kind of like the industry standard. And um, mm. yeah, so yeah, I've had, uh, I've, I've had some, some mentoring from, um, from Richard um, regarding better units of measure uh, for accuracy and that sort of stuff. So he's, he's helping He's helping me learn stuff, putting me on the path. Yeah, nice man. Nice. Are you? Do you uh, feel confident enough in your knowledge around that uh, type of measurement to uh, give an, a quick overview? Because it's it's a real fascinating way of, of doing so. Yeah, I, I, I'm. You know, he gave me a you know, a, a bit of a, a spreadsheet that um, he helped me. Um, you, we used my three seven five. Um, as as the the working sort of example, mm-hmm. um, gave me a quick spreadsheet that helped me um, plot mean velocities and um, mean yeah you know, mean radiuses and that sort of stuff um, to yep. determine accuracy and and that kind of thing. Um, and I've just you know been playing with that, and I'll be I'll be using that in the future for trying to establish um, you know a, a better idea of what what is an accurate load and and, and what isn't and what our gut tells us or, or when we look at a at a piece of paper with some holes in it and go, oh, the extreme spread is that. Well, that's rubbish. 
Um, if you use mean radius and that sort of stuff, it can tell you, you know, and, and, and look at the data. It, t- it seems to tell you a lot more um, when, you, when you dig right into it. So um, am I confident in my knowledge? Um, I'm confident that my knowledge is growing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, would I would I would I be as confident as Richard? No, no, no. 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 Um, I, that, that guy still blows my mind. You know, um, it's uh, I was you know comment Bo Ricketts made to me today. Um, every time you speak to the guy, it's it's like you you, know, you feel like you should be eating crayons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually think he made that comment but, about you know, him, 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 him and Steve. Yeah, I think he made that combat, Steve, but the same goes for Richard. Yeah, yeah, that's he, right. Yes, he did. Fact, he did. Yeah, same goes for Richard. In fact, Ben, you, you may have to uh, harass Richard to see if we can get him on the show in the next uh, two weeks. Let's uh, let's get get him on. I, I have uh, I, I have spoken to him about it, and uh, and he agrees in principle. So yeah, we will yeah. look at uh, trying to lock down a date. Let's turn that principle into reality. Let's get uh, let's get Pete right on here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Robbie, back onto the books, mate. Are you uh, spending time in the in the books? No, I haven't. Um, I would like to uh, get my hands on some if I could and um, give them a read. So, Ben, if you've got some laying around your house, bring them to the next match. I'll take them off your hands. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Can do. Yeah, apparently uh, Scott, Scott McMillan said you can get them cheap on eBay in, uh, in the UK. So it's for 99. 99 cents. <laughs> Just block him. <laughs> uh, good. Uh, all right. Um, Steve Hurt has a question for all of you gentlemen. Um, ballistic saps. What are you, Robbie? You, you, you're on screen. What are you running, mate? Uh, run a Kestrel. Kestrel. Um, yep. Seven hundred. Yeah, elite ballistic. Um, yeah, things to uh, if you set it up right and you spend the time to true it, it, it yeah, it, it does a really good job. So yeah, nice. Yeah, Graham. What about yourself, mate? What's what's popular and common over there beyond beyond what do uh, you use? A lot of lot of guys run phone apps, phone based apps here mostly. Yep. Um, myself, I, I just run Straylock Pro. Again, I run a lot of different firearms, mm-hmm. and whether I'm testing them or building my own, so um, I'll just run Straylock, and then um, yeah, I'm lucky enough that I can true all my data yep. on my range, and yeah, a few guys running Kestrels. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem to be super popular here. Um, not even so much for wind reading. Um, a lot of guys just sort of guess, I guess, or, mm. or use smaller, cheaper units. Yeah, okay. Interesting, mm. interesting. Uh, ben, what do you run for your setup, mate, especially for that big thing? Um, yeah, oh, look, I'm, I'm running everything on the, uh, the Kestrel 5700 Elite. I, I, thought uh, you, I thought you were going to say I'm running everything, just to double check. I'm running, <laughs> I'm running everything. <laughs> You've got three phones, three apps, and a kestrel. Like I'm some sort of helicopter. No, it's um, now I've got it all. I'm, I'm running it all by ballistics. Um, I've tried Knight's Armament Bullet Flight. I've tried Strelock Pro. I've tried you know uh, some other bloody thing that didn't work. I've seen you know tried helping a couple of mates with their Hornady Ford off free edition and that kind of stuff and. Um, the only stuff that that has really worked for me consistently has been the the AB stuff, yep. um, and you know having the having the the Kestrel and then you know plugging that in the computer and just you know linking up to their site and then just downloading all the custom curves um, yep. is really kind of easy to do. So it's it's sort of you know um, interesting. I, I've, I've 
had a couple of conversations with some guys who are successfully shooting some some really long distances, and a couple of them have said that they don't like AB. Yep. Because they they their, their main gripe with it is that um, when you're truing your data at really long ranges, you can only input four data points um, at various ranges. Um, so I haven't run into that limitation yet because I haven't really got the accuracy in my rifle to actually sort of go um, well into into trans and, and subsonic. Um, but I'll be interested to see if there's any any truth to it or whether or not I I find it'll work for me. So that'll that'll be quite interesting. Um, you know, Jay's probably the guy to talk to about that. Um, every time you true your data in, in in applied ballistics and that sort of stuff, essentially you are just tweaking the curve yep. yourself anyway. So, yeah. Mm. Mm. Excellent. All right. Uh, Sheldrake asks about shooting mats, uh, yoga mats or thick blankets. What's your go-to for a prone range day? Ben, what, what are you shoot from off just the dirt or you you probably just a better fly um, for you just oh, a look, better the, the way i've been shooting lately shooting <laughs> the way i've been shooting lately shooting the dirt is what i deserve <laughs> um no i i i had a um i had a, a a shooting mat which was essentially just a layer of um nylon mm-hmm. and it was a constant reminder of just how cheap I was as a, as a, as an individual. So you could be lying there and you <laughs> cat heads. You've seen them. Um, you've been out here. Yeah, the cat heads are the size of a of a of a of a bloody uh, of a large marble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sticking into your elbows, just reminding you that you're too cheap to buy a real mat. Um, and then Birchie um, saw me using it and instantly took pity on me and gave me one of his shooting mats. And it's, it's so nice. So. <laughs> Um, Sheldrake, if, if if you're looking for a mat, um, yeah, yep. get on to Birchie at Lovey's, mate. And um, you know they've they've got two layers of nylon with some you know spongy goodness <laughs> in between. You know, um, so yeah, you know it's not it's not like the army days, mate. You can you can actually be comfortable and enjoy it, and it's still okay. So <laughs> good. Um... Graham, I know that you guys shoot, use shooting mats over there um, because of uh, Bronte's uh, lack of ability to roll one up. Um, do you shoot from a from a shooting mat commonly, or is it not so much? Uh, it it depends what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm just shooting gongs or load development or practice, yes, I'll run a mat. Um, competition, no, there generally won't be a mat because we're not on concrete or hard surfaces like you guys hunting. No mats, obviously. Um, the ones that are popular over here, uh, very popular, are the whether oh. you have the brand in Australia, uh, Rigid Line. Um, yep. They make a mat that's quite affordable and it's nice and wide, rolls out, padded. It's a good piece of kit. Yep. Um, and you get a free range bag when you buy it. So everyone buys those. And they're pretty good. Yeah, nice. I, I have a couple mm. of those uh, uh, Ridge Line ones. They're, uh, they're excellent. Uh, yeah. But I haven't been able to yeah. find yeah, them for a long time, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Robbie, Robbie, what do you do, mate? Do you like lay down a little whole little area, or have you got a particular mat, or you just you know, drop a mattress down? Uh, pretty much just put a mat down. Um, I just use a yoga mat, and it only really comes out if it's you know wet and you know crappy conditions. Uh, I'll throw a mat down, but other than that, I'll kind of go prone on the floor and yeah, 
Gotcha. Run with it. Andrew is asking if there is uh, any yoga pants to go with that yoga mat at all. There is. There is. Always. Always. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Great, that'll be coming up on. Uh, make sure you're uh, make sure you're watching the Precision Project. That'll be part of the uh, uh, merch range, I suspect. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, look forward to it. Good. Paul uh, Paul's got a question about uh, trans and subsonic. Uh, now I don't know who's left in the discussion still. Ben, uh, obviously we'll kick off with you because you're the. We know you're uh, you're you're delving into that world. Are you truing at trans and subsonic when you are truing? Um, yeah, where, where I've got the, I've got the space to do it depends on the caliber. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, with a 308, you can, you can true your, some of your transonic stuff, um, at, at some reasonable distances. Um, I do have uh, the ability to go out just a little beyond a mile. So, um, it, it, again, it depends on the caliber. Um, but yeah, calibrating your, your drop scale factors and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, is is always good, and I'm and I'm doing that even though I'm using custom drag models mm -hmm. um, through Apollo Ballistics. I'm still for some calibers, um, so three hundred eight and six five, because I've, I've I can do that with the the space I've got, yep. um, and the Thrown Wind Mag. I I do try to try to you know true with my my drop scale factor um, in those distances. So the three seven five um, it's probably not far enough. Just yet, and um, yeah, with Steve's projectiles, it's probably going to be even further now because they're <laughs> the the slipperiest, pointiest, sharpest projectiles yep. I've ever loaded. So, you know, also the highest BC stuff I can, you know, I can I can find as well. So, yeah, that <laughs> transonic for that's probably going to be like two thousand meters plus or something. Got it, got it. Graham, are you <laughs> you delving much into subsonic, transonic sort of gear? Uh. Most of the shooting I do is inside a thousand meters, and so with my six and a half, not an issue. But yep. uh, we put together a one mile. Um, we built a new big backstop and a splash area just before the virus hit. Not I only just got up two days ago to finally shoot at it. But uh, we with a three three eight, we trued it. Well, to be honest, I just shot at it, missed the first shot, just low, and then so. I, Corrected on the second, and then I just trued that to the apps. So nothing too serious. But then with twenty twos, I um, I have to. Well, they're already subsonic what I shoot, but I have to true all that out to distance because I like to shoot twenty twos out to four five hundred meters. Yeah. And um, so that takes a little bit of playing around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I got I got a phone call the other day from a guy who was at a gun shop wanting to buy some twenty twos, and he said, "Do I uh, do I grab the fast stuff, or what? What am I meant to be grabbing?" And uh, uh, you know, Graham, obviously your your interest in twenty twos. What would you be your response uh, to that question? Uh, I run subsonic ammo. Um, when I first got into twenty twos, I was shooting. You know, I thought fast was good, and I was shooting the mini magnum stuff. Um, and it was accurate out to around 100, and then it was going all over the place as it went transonic. Um, so I moved over to subsonic because um, it's a bit more, yeah, it's just predictable-ish. I mean, the wind and everything's against you. But, but then again, those Aussie buggers, uh, Mark and Sam after work, they did a K the other day, sorry, 1,000 yards, and he used the hypervelocity Velocitor stuff, that really fast 22 ammo. Yeah, right. And working for him, so so I, I so I thought it wouldn't work, and it never did for me. But 
your kinsman over there is making it work. So maybe it's worth me revisiting. Because um, I want to try shoot to a K, but I need 500 minutes of angle to do it with a subsonic projectile. That's that's. So if I go to the fast stuff, I only need 300. So it's a lot of minutes. It's a lot of minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mark and Sam. Mark and Sam are wizards, though, so they seem to be able to pull uh, pull any any creative adventure off uh, to their credit. Oh, definitely. Um, I I, I get very jealous of the the big uh, open farms that you guys they're just like crop farms and they're all dirt we don't really have that around where i am we've just got big grassy hills or bush um yep. so that's one of the troubles for me is finding somewhere yeah uh, it wasn't that bad this summer because we had a drought so i could i found a spot on the farm where i could shoot at one of our um the access tracks through the property and there's plenty of dust <laughs> but as soon as the the weather hits like it is now there's just no way i can spot the long range um 22 shots anyway yeah gotcha Gotcha. Yeah. Robbie, uh, subsonic for you, mate, is it, is it something you've been doing much of? Uh, not necessarily. No. Uh, kind of trawling everything out to a K. Yep. Um, and once I've done that, I pretty much just leave that there. I mean, the WSM is still in the woodworks. I haven't really had much of a chance to get out and, you know, really stretch those legs. Um, shot it out to 1,100, and it seems to be consistent. Um, anything further than that, I've... I haven't really done so gotcha. um yeah that's pretty much that and um as well as some 22 stuff shooting that up to about 400 so oh yeah nice yeah, yeah. what um it's good. It's good fun what uh wsm are you running mate i didn't know about that uh, 300 wsm 300 what's your setup what's your tell us about that that rifle uh as in the rifle yeah uh, well, it's my comp rifle. Okay, um, yep, with a different barrel. So it's a Bighorn, yeah, Bighorn Origin Action, uh, Barlin Barrels. Uh, yeah. yeah, so shooting the 215 grain burgers um, seems to be doing its thing. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah. There's a question here from Jimmy about MOA or MRAT. Now, that's a very quick and easy question to answer. Um, but uh, so we'll take it a little bit de deeper than that. Um, Robbie, starting with you, man. Have you have you always run one or the other, or, or have you changed at some point? What are you running now, and tell us the history of it. Um, I started off with MOA. Yep. Um, originally, I think majority of the scopes that were available, you know, within the means and the budget, were all MOA. So mm -hmm. um, I've Jumped on the other side of the spectrum now, and I'm all mills. Yeah. Uh, besides one twenty-two rifle that I've got, and that's MOA setup. I just think the uh, the mill system is very easy to to use and understand, especially like I'm a cabinet maker by trade. Everything's in millimeters, so you know two and two makes sense, and yeah, very easy to correspond to. So um, yeah, I'm mills through and through. Nice, uh, Ben. You've been yeah. you've been around and shooting for a long time, mate. I, I bet you started out in MOA. Um, or whatever was before MOA. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, before MOA. Now it was, uh, it was, it was. Uh, minute was of it, um, mammoth, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, mi minute of mammoth. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day. Six six arm lengths off the yard arm. No, it, I, uh, <laughs> I, um, I started out in MOA uh -huh. um, because that was that was what everything was, and. Um, and then, yeah, getting into the long range stuff when most of the time you're ranging and, and all my 
old army stuff, all navigation and range estimation and everything was in metres. Um, so, you know, if you grew up working in inches and feet and yards and that sort of stuff, MOA is, you know, makes a lot of sense. Um, but, yeah, as soon as, as soon as I got hold of a, an MRAD scope, it was like, oh, far out. Yeah, you know, your subtension rules, you can do all the maths in your head. You don't need to, you don't need to think about it. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's all MRAD, man. Everything's MRAD. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. When I uh, when I started out, I started out with "Don't touch that bloody scope." If you need to go left, hold, hold left. Um, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the language I started out no, with. Touchy, <laughs> Graham. What about yourself, mate? And and tell us a little bit about what it's like over there in New Zealand um, across the board. Uh, much the same um, as for Kiwi shooters. I you're seeing more mill scopes coming in. Still a lot of MOA because it's all guys have ever known. Um, and so a lot of the main hunting shops still really stop MOA and their optics. Um, but it's, we're starting to get more um, Miller Radians and first focal plane. Yep. Uh, I was the same though. First sort of big scope I bought, uh, I didn't know what I was buying. I went to my local gun shop and they had a, it was an MOA scope, second focal plane. Me not even knowing that first focal plane existed at the time because all I'd ever seen, well, you know, I'd only, only ever used basic um, hunting optics. Of course, yeah. And then so I got that and then I've sort of transitioned to if I buy a new optic, it is now uh, FFP and um, and Milleradian. I, I find I work with inches and um, so metric and imperial in my job, so either way it doesn't bother me, but I think Mill is a bit easier um, for adjusting and calling misses and everything. Yeah, definitely. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah. I've never quite understood why the, the Americans, I don't know if you guys do it, but so I'll say 0. 0.2 of a mil, but the Americans have turned it into fractions. They say two tenths. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you guys do that, but they've, <laughs> they've made it a fraction out of a, <laughs> anyway, I've always found that peculiar. <laughs> That's a really good point. Because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I always laugh. Sounds fair. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure we say point two, point three, or or no, you missed part. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. All right. So uh, yeah, that's hopefully Jimmy that uh sorted that one out. I think I think the the summary of it is we're all using mill and we all started on moa which is a really common story uh and i remember when mm. we uh when we started doing these you know prs style matches uh we were about we we're at 50 50 maybe 60 percent mrad and now it is it'd be 98 percent at the at the national level it's, it's virtually there might be one or two guys running uh moa um and it's not yeah. because it doesn't work it's just it's just the common language and the common language is uh, much easier much easier. To yeah, that's it. Yeah, you're, you're not going to be at a disadvantage from MOA. You still your bullet's going to go where it goes. Yeah. Um, but it's just if, if the guy spotting for you can call in a similar language, like you say, um, it's going to be so much quicker or easier for you to get on target. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's the way. Very good. Excellent. Now, Graham, last time you were on, and then in the in the show afterwards, in the uh, what do we call the the, the Zoom hangout, uh, we started talking pretty uh, sort of military history sort of gear, and you be, we worked out you're quite the quite the knowledgeable man about that. Have you got anything that you could uh, you could show us um, 
you, you showed us a piece of shrapnel last time. Is there anything else you've uh, got lying around? Uh, it was wonderful to see uh, see something last time. Uh, okay. Oh, give me a second. All right, that's a uh, Japanese World War II grenade. It's inert, so I'm not going to... The police aren't going to knock my door down or anything. Um, this, was, oh, this was bought... So my... How does it work? My, my, my pop, so my dad's dad's friend who lived down the war was in the... Um, what we called the Third Expeditionary Forces in the Second World War. Mm -hmm. um, so when... Okay, so World War II started, you guys asked, we all went to the... Um, Mediterranean, uh, the Japs got a bit nasty, you guys pulled out to fight the Japs, and then you guys got real angry at us because we didn't pull out of um, the Mediterranean um, thinking that we should fight together and protect our, our sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. um, so what we ended up doing was um, anyway, forming the they called it like the second New Zealand Expeditionary Forces Pacific or something, but the, the guys over there renamed it the, the three um, New Zealand Expeditionary Forces, but anyway, and they got nicknamed the Coconut Bombers, which wasn't very popular, and it was a derogatory term for the returned soldiers. But anyway, he bought this grenade home, so he's removed the fuse, and oh, it's all seized up. But and there's no uh, um, exposures in it anymore. Yep. Um, yeah, so that that's so my kind, not quite a family heirloom, but it, it come to the family through a friend, and mm. it's ended up with me. Um, so this is all legal to own here too. Yeah. Um, in case. I don't know what your guys' laws are like, um, but it's all safe. And, yeah, pretty neat. Um, these are the ones, you, they had an impact fuse, so you, you see them in the movies, they whack them against their helmet and then um, blow themselves up. That's, I, I, I guess, Type 99, I can't remember the, the code of the grenade. And then here's something kind of long range. Uh, again, this is inert. Not that it would matter for this type of um, ammo to be inert for the licence I have, but, it's a Panzerbusch round. Um, so, again, early World War II, uh, anti-tank rifles were still uh, a, they were still thought of as a good idea. They weren't a particularly good idea. So the Germans, instead of using like a twelve and a half mil or a twenty millimeter, well, they they did anyway. But they got these and they they necked down kind of like a fifty necked down to an eight mil. So it was a, a that's not the original projectile, but it would have had a tungsten. Um, Eight millimeter projectile, and the idea is you like say a hundred, maybe hundred ninety six grain projectile going four thousand feet per second. The idea was you could punch through uh, anything lightly skinned tanks and other stuff. Yeah, so just interesting. I I, I got this shipped in from Europe, um, but yeah, that's what that is. Not something interesting, I guess, and kinda related to what we do. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Nice. I, f I figured you'd have something on hand. It seems that everything's within arm's reach. And you, you, we, we found out the other night you've got a you've got a whole whole museum, as you said, of, of things to look at. So uh, appreciate yeah, you throwing piece of old there. junk. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to check something out. Excellent. All right, guys. Uh, we'll go around the uh, we'll go around. Ben, uh, you're you're below me, so kick off with you. Let us know how the guys watching can follow you and, and get in touch and uh, and keep up with your various adventures. Kick off with you, Ben. Okay, so so if you would like to follow on what I'm doing, you can find me at The Long Gun Project on YouTube, Instagram, and now Facebook. Ooh. So 
The Long Gun <laughs> Project. Yes. <laughs> well done, um, man. It's been a so, long yeah. gun project. Like, subscribe, you share. <laughs> Graham, what about yourself, mate? That's How it. do we find you? Uh, same on yeah, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. But majority of the stuff's on Facebook. So just Taranaki Long Range Shooting. Yeah. Um, that'll lead you to all the weird stuff I'm up to. Um, usually something at least every day. Yeah, nice. Is up on there, so it's pr- it's pretty active. Sensational. And uh, across to Roy. How are you, mate? Um, follow me on uh, Facebook and Instagram, uh, The Precision Project. Uh, Facebook's yet to, uh, uh, sorry, YouTube is yet to go live, but um, there's a lot of things in the woodwork. So, oh, yeah, nice. we'll get there. We'll get there. Slow and steady. Fantastic, guys. Thank you so much for coming on and answering a bunch of questions, guys. I, uh, uh, good luck with all your various endeavours in uh, all the different things you are doing and uh, cheers for, uh, for hanging out for a night. Cool. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Awesome, man. Easy, guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in and uh, appreciate the guys who did ask uh, questions. Always uh, always good. We'll be back tomorrow night for a big night for Team Impact. Andy will be here. Uh, I'll be here. We'll have a few videos and we'll probably make some calls and get a few uh, stories and uh, see what people were up to. So look forward to that. Again, uh, let you guys know you can save 5% off at Projector Warehouse using the code IDLIVE5 and uh, that is uh, good to go anytime you like. Righto, guys, thanks very much. We